Athletic, David O'Brien back on the show with us, joining FT What's Live. What's going on, fellas? No, no AJ today for you, David, but you do have- no, thank God. And Kipnis. <laughs> yeah, so it's Friday. We're trying to hang out, you know, just keep it low key. And we do have a lot to get to with you. So I actually want to start here to get Kratz fired up because you're actually one of the most relevant people to ask this question to. So first off, congrats to the Braves. They win the first team silver slugger, Acuna Olsen and Riley rack up. I did all I could, thanks. Yeah, your writing just really (laughs) sold sold the show. But your writing also helped players who read you across MLB see that Ronald Acuna Jr. should be player of the year voted on by his peers over Shohei Otani. And the guy right above you, that box right above you strongly disagrees that I didn't say that should have won your thoughts. I didn't say that you're making that up. I didn't say that. <laughs> Wait, I said he should be, I should, I said he should be national league MVP. But do you, th- who do you think's player of the year? Uh, I think Acuna, but I can honestly see where Otani, I mean, it, it just depends on how you look at it. If you're going to look at it on overall impact, um, you know, obviously, Otani is just, it's hard. It's apples and oranges because he pitches. I mean, it's so hard to say that another guy's more valuable if he just hits and plays defense. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I would also argue that it's hard to say you're the most outstanding or most valuable player when you didn't play the last six weeks and your team didn't even get to the playoffs. I know the Braves got beat, but the, the Angels didn't even get in the playoffs. So I don't know how you could argue that he is – the most valuable player, but if it's most outstanding player, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer to that, but I do. I'm glad he's not in the AL because that would make my argument more difficult, but I don't think there's any way Acuna's not the MVP. He shouldn't be, he should be unanimous MVP in the national league. Completely agree with the unanimous MVP player of the year. Most outstanding player. He just won a silver slugger. And Acuna is the only person that has a lower ERA than Shohei. Like, of course it's Shohei. Shohei's doing all this and he's pitching. He didn't miss six yeah. weeks. He missed well, He missed like yeah. three and a half weeks. You're, you're, well, you're you, pushing you, your rhetoric. <laughs> I thought it was six weeks. Okay. Um, I think that uh, – I think if you really look at it the way you are, and I understand why you're looking at it that way, you could say Otani, as long as he does the hitting pitching thing, which he's not going to do next year because the obviously Tommy John – but if he's doing the hitting and pitching thing like he did the last couple of years, you could argue that he should be the most outstanding player for as long as he does that because nobody else is doing it. I mean, yes. it's just it's apples and oranges. So I say I would not disagree with that. I would not make a hard case that anybody else should – as long as he's doing both at a high level, then he's the best player. I mean, he's like the Babe Ruth of modern day. Only Babe Ruth didn't do both simultaneously – for any extended period like Otani has. But if Otani has a four ERA and the same exact hitting numbers as he had this year, which were more home runs and he's had 20 stolen bases. I get it. Acuna had 70. So he had 50 more stolen bases. That's elite. But if he had a four ERA, is he still not the most outstanding player? What he is doing, like we should name, we should name the, the award after him when he is done playing. Uh, yeah, if he has a four ERA and does what he's done offensively, I agree. He's the most outstanding player. If he's making 30 starts, I mean, how can you argue that he's not? I mean, you know, and I think there's probably some, I don't want to say uh, bias towards American-born players and all that kind of thing or guys who are more, uh, 
who are more who work better with the media and make themselves more available. But I think there probably is. If we had a guy, if we had uh, Freddie Freeman doing exactly what Otani is doing, <laughs> there wouldn't even be any debate about who is the most outstanding player. Let's face yep. it, there wouldn't be. All right. So while we're on that topic, Dave, we are running a little series on the case for Shohei Otani. He ain't coming to the Braves. Wow. <laughs> we didn't even get through the freaking graphic. We didn't even get through the animation. Come on. <laughs> I like to usually start it off with what's the percentage chance? Yeah, have you heard zero. Of any discussions? Zero. No. Total zero. Do, do you have like confirmation from a no, team official? I don't. Have they come out? They can't publicly no, say because you're not allowed to say that. But, and they would but why be, are you so emphatic? I didn't even finish, I didn't even finish three words. And you're like, yeah, I've seen the series. Forget it. Take us off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, realistically, what's Otani going to get? Even with the TJ surgery, he's going to get less money than he would have if he was healthy. Because if he was healthy, he's going to get the first $50 million a year AAV, right? If he's healthy. Right, and probably yeah. still close to that. Like, let's just assume, in my it's mind, be well I feel over like 40. 500 is safe. Right, it's gonna be and well it's over 40, 40 a year. Sure. Okay, the Braves, with all of the extensions they just they gave out in the last three years, there's like six or they got eight guys signed long-term, six of them are really long-term extensions. Not one season of any of those contracts, including Ronald Acuna's, including Olsen's, including uh, Austin Riley's, Strider's, none of them. Is there a salary higher than $22 million? So you're going to say Otani's going to come in and you're going to give him over $40 million. You're going to give him basically twice what you're giving anybody else per year. You're going to say Ronald Acuna... Your contract peaks at $17 million a year, which is ridiculously undervalued, obviously. But we're going to give another guy three times what we're giving you, and we expect you to be happy with that. I just don't see it. I don't see how it would work. And uh, he's not going to have the kind of uh, off-the-field endorsement opportunities in Atlanta that he might have some other places. There is a significant Asian population here, believe it or not. I know, I know a lot of people probably don't think there is, but there is. But nothing like he's going to have in a Pacific Rim city like San Francisco, L.A., uh, uh, Anaheim, whatever. Uh, Seattle. Or, or Seattle, obviously. I think if Seattle was still had their previous owner, who was what, a Sony guy, I think it'd be a no-brainer. I think it would be no question that's where he would end up. I still feel like he'll end up in one of those cities rather than uh, Texas, Chicago, or New York. I cannot see Otani with his whole entourage thing and his whole, the way he, I don't even talk to the media except days that I uh, pitch and after the game's over. Otherwise, he doesn't talk unless he feels like doing it one day. He has three home runs. Okay, I'll talk to you. I'll deign you with an audience. But that's just the way he operates. And I understand because he's got 50 people there every day. They want to talk every day. But can you imagine him having that that attitude or that approach in New York? It won't work. And I just don't see him wanting to deal with all that thing in New York. Just I can't see it. I see him on the West Coast. Just like I saw Craig Council, I thought there was no way he was ever going to go to the Mets. And I said that on our podcast. Knowing Council, as I do back since he was a rookie with the Marlins when they traded for him from the Rockies, and knowing what a Midwestern guy he was and his deep, deep ties to Milwaukee, I thought the only ones that made sense were Cleveland, Milwaukee or a Chicago right there in that area. To me, that made the most sense or, or he'd sit out a year. Yeah. But with all the money that they've all saved from all these great deals from signing these guys early, you finally can cash out and aim high and get Otani with that. Um, but I hate to actually, I'm going to have to even almost side with Derek on this one. It's like Atlanta, it might be the one organization. Otani doesn't make sense. 
Otani, you don't, they don't need him in this sense. And I, I, I can make a case for Otani on every other organization, how he makes every club better. It's they, that's not where they're, they're so good and so deep in everything. It's the one team that can probably be like, we're good. It kind of flies in the face of their whole business model. I mean, it's yeah. just like, we're going to throw that out the window. What we've been preaching for three years, signing these young guys to these below market deals, trading security for them leaving money at the, on the on the back end of these contracts. And they all acknowledge that, but they're getting security and playing at a place they want to be and all that. Well, it's like the Braves are going to say, okay, but never mind all that. We're going to go get Otani and give him three times what we're giving some of these other studs, you know, and double what we're giving Austin Riley or Matt Olson or any of them. Double the, at least double what we're giving any of those guys. They're got, they would pay him what they pay any of those two guys combined and then an additional $10 million probably. Well, keep in mind the market always keeps resetting. They always right. get those guys early on for 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 low deals or for for team friendly deals, if you will, because they sign them earlier and they never get probably their full value on their first contracts. Right. So they're already they're already lower than what they expect. And then Otani would be signing later. Later, so it's like you're like, okay, well, you're going to give them double of what these guys doubles might be a fair value if you think about it. At the end of the day, I just don't think he's the fit. Maybe there. Oh yeah, I don't think it's not fair value. I just think for this place, the way they do things, the way they've what they've done has allowed them to spread the wealth, so to speak, and have these guys locked up long-term at almost every position on the diamond. Whereas if they waited and signed a guy like, like Freddie in the last year before free agency, they would have had to pay him obviously well over that 22 million. And they're going to have to break that model soon that, that or that number soon because the, the market has reset. And like you said, and their payroll's rising and they will spend a little more. So somebody's going to get 25 million a year. Uh, if they sign Max Freed, I can't see him signing for $22 million a year AAV. You know, they might have to go three years, $75 million with him. Uh, I mean, that's probably real low for Max Freed. But coming off the injury, maybe he takes that for security. I doubt it. Maybe four years, $100 million, that kind of thing. But I doubt it. They've waited too long, I think, with him like they did with uh, – pretty much like they did with uh, Freddie and Dansby. So you already – so you just made the case for why they're going to sign Otani because you said – they're going to play. They're going to pay two players the same as they're going to play one player. <laughs> and he's, two, and he's players. two players. Yeah. Well, he had proven yet that he could be two players for an entire season, year after year. Well, I mean, there's a reason nobody else has done that because it's too damn hard on the body, as you know. I don't think he could. I do not think he can keep doing it for four or five more years. I don't know if he can keep doing it for two or three more years. I mean, I talk to starting pitchers and they tell me I don't understand how he does it because they need those three or four days between starts to get it back. It's not like it was in the old days where guys threw 120 pitches. Now they're throwing 70, 80, 90 pitches, max effort, and the next day some of them can barely lift their shoulders. And he's out there playing. You know, he's not even icing down after the you know after he comes out of a game because he's still playing. So it's tough, man. I don't see how he's going to keep doing that. But I think Otani, either as a pitcher or a hitter, when he stops doing that in two or three years, will still be worth the value of his contract, probably with uh, you know what he's going to do in the first two or three years and the butts he's going to put in the seats and all that. Just it's going to have to be with a huge market or a huge uh, payroll team, I should say, not a huge market because they're all you know all the top ten are huge markets, but not them are all huge payrolls. All right, so they're out on Otani, and Otani's going to sign with the Mets and beat the Braves year in and year out, but. <laughs> 
What are the Braves going to do? What are, what it wouldn't do be the first guy that do? the Mets. It wouldn't be the first guy the Mets signed, and we all said, "Ooh, the Mets are going to beat the Braves now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they got they got a long way. They got more than Shohei to 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 get back to get to where the Braves are. But what do the Braves need to do? Do the Braves look at their season and say, "Hey, we are so good in the regular season, but..." Nah. Whatever we got to do, we just got to sign all the Phillies players away in the postseason, and then we'll be good. Well, to their credit, um, Alex Anthopoulos said the, uh, yesterday that I would like to assign it to randomness and say that, you know, what happened in the postseason for two years in a row is just random, and you've not, there's really nothing you can do about it. But he said, I wouldn't be doing my job if I did that, and we have to look at everything. And, and honestly, the, the thing that's bit them in the ass the last two years in a postseason, both years, both years, the lack of starting pitching depth when they're healthy, they have a really deep, good starting rotation, but they just didn't have anybody that could step in with for a freed and a Charlie Morton last year. Both of those guys were, were, uh, were hurt and are this year, Charlie Morton last year, freed and Strider coming in. Freed was coming off a sickness. He lost 15 pounds, which he's a, he's not a guy that can afford to lose 15 pounds. He was weakened by the flu. He wasn't himself at all last year. Strider was coming off an oblique. He wasn't himself. He was tired after two innings and, and got lit up in the third. This year, they're out, they they played they did the NLDS without Charlie Morton because of ligament uh, finger ligament injury, and with uh, with once again Freed coming in really rusty because of uh, his injury situation. He had a you know the blister again, so he only made one start in like three four weeks before the NLDS. So both years they had two of their main three starters down. Are, are not at full strength. And they ran up against a Phillies team that was that surged both times and had guys all hitting on, hitting on all cylinders offensively and just wrecked them. So they've got to be able to go into next year's postseason knowing that, hey, if we have another one or two starters down, we still got – we're not going to have to rely on Bryce Elder, who had a six ERA down the stretch – got lit up in his last three starts and was on fumes because it was the most innings he'd ever pitch. We're not going to have to rely on him as one of our three starters in the postseason. That's why they've got to go out and get somebody, even though they, they brought Charlie back on the $20 million option. They still got to go out and get a frontline guy, whether that's trade for Corbin Burns, which would to me would be ideal, even though he's only one year left on his deal. Um, trade for Corbin Burns, sign Sonny Gray, you know, to, to team with Freed, Strider, and Charlie Morton so that you're covered for that you know, first round, you're going to have three starters, even if you, if a couple of them are rusty or down or whatever, like they were the past two years, because the offense, I mean, no, nah, they didn't hit in the NLDS this year, but I don't think the offense, I think the offense is fine. I really don't think you need to do anything with the offense. But if you sit here and go, okay, let's say, let's say they had Charlie Morton. Let's say they had Charlie Morton in his last series. You don't, you don't run Bryce Elder out there. You already lost right. the Strider game. And then you lost the next Strider game. You weren't winning until the last until the last inning of the free game. So are you going to bring in? Let's say let's say they get the greatest starting pitcher available to me. I think it's Corbin Burns in a trade. Are you right. going Strider? I know you were striking out ten guys per six innings in the season. We're going to go Corbin Burns, or they're going to be o two in a five game series again, and Corbin Burns is going to throw game three to save your life. No, that's not the way I look at it. If Freed's healthy, Freed goes game one this year, and it's a different story. Wow. Freed Freed, Freed wasn't at 100%. Okay? If Strider goes game two, 
and you've got Corbin Burns or Corbin Burns going two and Strider three, whatever way you want to configure that, depending on what happens during the season, I think you're fine. The, uh, they didn't hit in that first game. Are you going to tell me, though, that the offense is flawed because they didn't hit in that first game? Uh, Zach Wheeler was phenomenal against the Braves. He's a great pitcher. When he's on when he's at it, on top of his game, he's a elite pitcher. Top five, top ten for sure. They didn't hit, but that doesn't mean you have to do something different with the offense, does it? I just didn't think, you know, they didn't hit. But if they had, if they, if the game, if the series goes another game, maybe they do hit. They did wake up for a couple of innings where they hit the home runs in that one game. But I just think that the starting pitching was the biggest problem. Uh, and also the bullpen needs to be strengthened because the bullpen, it's not like they came in and shut it down. If the bullpen was a lot deeper, then you would have been able to get a couple of those guys out of there even faster and been able to rely on that bullpen to go five, six innings strong. But they didn't have those kind of relievers down the stretch this year at all. Not like 21 where they had those three relievers who were all but unhittable in the postseason with Matzik and uh, Will Smith. Uh, and mentor, all three of those guys in the postseason were phenomenal. I mean, they hit they, that happened. It didn't happen this year, and they weren't even close to having that kind of bullpen this year. I think the offense is set. The offense, you're absolutely right. I think you don't really have to touch that one. A lot of teams aren't rolling into the playoffs with the offense that the Braves have. I think you're, you're yeah, it wasn't on. fluky. You know, they yeah. did average OBP home runs. It's not like they were just a home run. Uh, that's all they did was hit home runs. They didn't look at their average and OBP, they led in everything. You're, you're absolutely right that it's coming down. I think they do need that another starter. And I think the joke I made earlier where it's like all the money they've saved on the contracts that they've signed, I think now you do go get that Corbin Burns. If you're in your window now, which yeah. you probably are as the Atlanta Braves, that's the type of move you make to go get a starter. One or move Otani. That, you go get yeah, Otani. You can get that. <laughs> One move that if he was pitching next year, I'd say go get Otani. <laughs> no kidding. No, then, then, yeah, if he's still pitching, I might make my case that Atlanta could use Otani. <laughs> and take the payroll up to $275 million. Right. They're going to do now, that. I, I was there uh, in, in only the Gwinnett. I was in AAA for the 2021 season, So, but I was with the Atlanta organization. And one thing, yep. one move that was made that I think they are going to feel a little bit is the absence of Ron Washington. Oh, God, um, yeah. So I think you know exactly where I'm going with this. I think the relationships, and this is just from observing there for a spring training and a little bit more, the relationship that he has with Ozzy, the relationship that he has with the, all of his infielders, on top of he you – don't, you don't show up lazy to a field that Ron Washington is at. You do not, you do not half-ass your work. You, he doesn't allow you to. You have the the morning drills that Ron Washington puts you through as an infielder, and the respect that he commands, and the that's fine. You don't you don't have your your hundred percent today. Well, give me hundred percent for these fifteen minutes, and I'll let you get out of there. But you're not going to do fifty percent of a, an hour of work. We're going to get something done. And we're going to get it done right. I think Atlanta's going to feel that absence a little bit more than people realize of Ron Washington not being there next year. Oh, I think anybody here realizes how much they're going to feel that absence. I think yeah. it's their biggest loss of the offseason, harder to fill, arguably, than starting pitcher. I think he has that. And and you were there. You saw it's not just his infielders. It's the entire clubhouse yeah. that he yeah. affects. He's yeah. like the master motivator. He's the guy that goes around putting the affirmations printed out in guys' lockers, just everything. And it doesn't come across as corny because nothing Ron Washington does comes across as corny. I mean, just his language – it alleviates any possibility of it being corny. I mean, that guy's the only guy I know that cusses more than I do. He's he's pretty he is he is a special guy. As Alex Anthopoulos said, he's been in the game a long time. He's never been around 
anybody like the six years he spent with Ron Washington. He is. I totally he's, agree. He's Samuel L. Jackson in a baseball uniform. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's oh, phenomenal. Okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you see guys like Freddie that go to the Dodgers, they're now doing those pregame drills exactly like Washington did because Freddie told his guys out there, I need somebody to do this with me before the games. So now it picks up and other teams starting to do this and it, because it's effective, you know, it, it gets it guys in the right frame of mind and on top of the physicalness of the drill itself, the, the, the work that he's doing on backhanded, ground, you know, short ops and all that. It we just had, gets we, guys going. We kept it going down in Gwinnett, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about, where other guys who have gone through that organization, go on to different organizations, are like, hey, can we do this? Can we try this? Where I get on a knee or, and do then right. go through about 15 each way. I think they're like, where'd you get this? And it's like, it's from Washington and Atlanta, where it's just like, because you said it exactly, it works. It's something that I know that even if it's just real short for seven to eight minutes, it locks me in, it gets my hands ready for the game, and I know I'm being productive, and it's not wasting that much energy. But uh, like you said also with the wash, where it's just like his character alone keeps people locked in. It, it, it raises the level of professionalism. Get rid of the language. That's fine. That's just, no, no baseball player really cares about hearing swear words or anything like that. The professionalism that he has and the day-to-day energy and just like yeah. he, he's there to win no matter what. I guarantee anybody that played for him in Texas can tell you the same way. And he's surrounded by – when he's doing those one-on-one drills with Ozzy, with Olsen, with Freddie before that, with Dansby before that, they're surrounded by like 12 guys usually because yeah. there's so much positive energy coming out of there, the ball busting and all that. But just the positive energy, it's like uh, it's like the kind of the pregame version of guys sitting around a hot tub in the old days drinking beers. You know, this is what's happening before the game there, and guys are getting locked in and listening and just – they want to be there. They just gravitate yeah. towards Wash doing these drills with guys. He's got outfielders coming over and like outfielders coming over and doing the drills just because they want to do it with Wash. They figure it's, it, it can't help. It can't do anything but help me. Okay. So then my question is all this character, all this positive. Why the heck did he take the Angels job? <laughs> well, he's 70. He's going to be 72 yeah. years old. I didn't think it, I didn't think a team was going to give him an opportunity. I thought they should have in the last five years, but I thought he was past it now because the whole uh, direction that the sport has moved with analytics and young guys and all that. But I think what's kind of saved him or gave him another chance was the success that Snitker, Bochi, Dusty, all these guys that are seventy years old or, or and older are having. Um, I thought that maybe, and then obviously Perry Manajian was here first-hand glimpse every day of Wash doing his thing. Perry's tight with Alex, you know, his assistant, and, and so he knows exactly what Wash brought to this team. So I thought Perry is probably in a position where, okay, I got a hit on this one. I want somebody who has an impact that comes in and has a presence because Perry talked about hiring a guy with a presence. Nobody's got more of a presence than Ron Washington. Nobody. When he walks in, maybe Dusty's right there with him, but other than that, when he walks into a room, he takes over, and I think that's what uh, Perry tried it the other way. They've gone with young guys, guys that they knew were going to do everything analytically that the uh, front office wants. And 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 and, and Wash is even though he's an old guy, old school to the bone, he also embraces the analytics. That the Braves have got a really good analytics department. It's just that they allow the coaches to feed it to the players rather than having to, you know, as uh, as uh, someone has said, the pointy heads uh, 
rather than have them come directly to the players with this information and say, we need you to do this. They have the coaches disseminate the information and wash is really good at doing that positioning and all that. Yeah. I mean, it's not often you get everyone going, yep, that's, that's a win right there. Everyone's excited. for Yeah. I haven't heard anybody, anybody be correct. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, uh, I mean, we had Bobby Cox here, and you never heard anybody say a bad word about Bobby Cox. Well, Wash is even even more so, probably. You just – nobody criticizes this guy. Nobody. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, Dave, awesome catching up with you on all of that. Appreciate you. Obviously, follow him at D-O-B-R-I-E-N-A-T-L. Watch his stuff in The Athletic. Follow the pod. Thanks, Dave. We'll catch you soon. Thank you. Otani sweepstakes. It's on. Atlanta. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> See you.